This presentation is from UX Australia 2020, day four. Our next speakers are Michelle and Ruth. Um, I, I hope I, I know like there are a few of you who had the uh, pleasure of joining Michelle and Ruth for a workshop um, earlier in the week, uh, which I heard wonderful things about. Hello, Ruth. Hello, Michelle. Hello. Oops. Hello. Are we all good? You are. Excellent. Perfect. Excellent. Hi, everyone. Welcome to our talk on 10 things not to say to user researchers. Now, firstly, we'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians on the land, of the land that we are all zooming in from. And we wish to acknowledge and respect their continuing culture and the contribution they make to the life of the cities and these regions. Thanks, Michelle. So hi, everyone. My name is Ruth Ellison. I've been working in the design and research fields for the last 18 years across government and the private sectors. And I'm really passionate about creating good, sustainable design cultures. And I currently head up a team of digital specialists in Australian government. And hi, everyone. I'm Michelle Pickerel. I'm a user researcher as well as a PhD candidate. I've worked in UX for almost nine years in a mix of industry and government. And my PhD focuses on the design of interactive equipment for stroke patient rehabilitation. And I've almost finished it, which is really exciting. Very, very close. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a lighthearted talk about 10 things not to say to your user researcher. Now we share this in the spirit of collaboration and building empathy for your user researcher. And also how to get best value from working with your user researchers. Now we've broken this into four main lessons to take away today. So firstly, lesson one is that research is a craft. So I want to start with a classic. Who's heard this one before? Isn't your job just chatting with people? I was working for product manager, project manager a number of years ago before Agile really took off in Australia. He wasn't sure why we needed so much preparation time for a range of upcoming research sessions we were doing. And he was concerned that his lovely Gen chart was actually going to be shifting too much to the right. He came up to me and said, Ruth, why is this research planning just taking so long? Aren't they just going out and just chatting with people? Now, there's often a misconception for people new to the research practice that what we do seems really easy and that anyone can do this as opposed to, say, the role of developer. Now, the problem with this is that it devalues the craft of user research. So when it comes to program and product planning, time and space for user research often gets under scope. But to address this issue, it's really important to take people along on the journey. Now, as a user researcher, it sometimes feels just easier for me just to go out, do the research, come back and report it back to the team. But getting the team involved in the user research and the end-to-end -end process from planning all the way to doing the sessions and analysis and also coming up with the insights really helps to increase the collective empathy and ownership of what we discover, but also helps increase awareness of research as a craft. So why do you need to do research? Can't you just design based on your experience? Who's had this one before? Now, many years ago, I was working with a client who was new to the user research process. We were helping them to redesign their intranet. I met with their executive who asked me, why do we need to do any user research? Aren't intranets the solved problem? Can't we just design it based on your experience? I thought you said you'd done lots of intranet projects before. Is this something you've heard too? Other things I often hear include, I'm sure there must be lots of research already out there, so why don't we just use that? Now, while there are many frameworks, tools, and design systems, as well as existing user research that we can use to accelerate our design processes, 
There is still lots of work that needs to be done to ensure that each individual context has been considered. Now, while there are lessons around human behaviours we can draw upon, we may not be able to easily lift the design from one context and move it to another, as the underlying user needs are likely to be quite different. Oops. Sorry, I'm having technical issue. <laughs> Okay, something is going. Let's try that again. There we go. <laughs> now, a more recent sentiment we've been seeing is something like this one. My team can do user research. They did a half-day user research 101 training. Now, while democratizing research is a, can be a really good idea, and there are actually very good circumstances where we should be doing it, and an example shared earlier by Kelly and JP about lean research at scale, it comes with a challenge that without the right amount of time and the thinking behind it, Unleashing a crowd of people to go talk to users is not always the answer. More data isn't always equal to better data. Democratizing research also brings the challenge of developing the craft of research, where little knowledge can sometimes be a dangerous thing. Now, this isn't always the case, as it also depends upon how you scale your research practice across your organization, the design maturity of your organization, and the types of research that needs to be done. So on to lesson two, valuing the user research process. So in one of my jobs, I had a situation where the marketing manager contacted me and said, can I have a quote from your user research for the sales poster for the conference? They said they wanted one that really shows the product in the best light, but of course was authentic and from an actual user. I explained to them how you, our research participants sign consent forms not release forms, and that this doesn't give us the authority to be able to publish their words on marketing materials. Now, user research is about inquiring into people's behaviours, needs and motivations, not about getting feedback for marketing a particular product. User researchers are responsible for the data they collect, and they manage this data based on the consent provided by the participant. As a result, it's important that we look to our researchers to uphold the ethical processes that underpin their work and not pressure them to do anything outside of these ethics frameworks. Now, who said this one before? We need to save money so we're not going to pay incentives. Um, now, I, I get that a lot because we work in government. But what's interesting is that I spoke to a number of project managers who often say that we're not paying incentives because we need to save money or they never budgeted for it. Now, incentives are about attracting quality participants and then getting people to show up for our research study. But at the end of the day, people ought to be compensated because it shows that we value their time and their input. Participating in the research study is essentially a social exchange. People need to feel that they're coming out at least even. And money, of course, is one of the easiest benefits to provide. Now, studies show that monetary incentives, including receiving a fixed amount of cash, um, something like being entered to a lottery for a prize or even a charitable donation on a participant's behalf can make respondents more likely to participate in research. But we also have to be mindful of the amount of incentives that we provide because we want to provide an amount that demonstrates you appropriately value the time and that input without breaking the budget. And if your product or product manager needs more convincing, you can always refer to the National Statement on Ethical Conduct in Human Research, which has a whole section about reimbursing participants. So on to lesson three, embedding research throughout the service design and delivery process. No, you can't meet with the executive. They're too busy. Just go through me. 
Who's heard this one before from their project or product manager? It can be really important for researchers to meet the senior decision makers to understand their needs, motivations and vision for a particular project. Interviewing people in these roles can help with understanding their reflections on what will make a project successful. However, all too often user researchers are told that they can't meet the executives and senior decision makers. This may be because these people are perceived as being too senior and the researcher too junior. Possibly they're seen as too time poor, or alternatively the product manager just wants the researcher to go through them. Now, I worked on a strategy piece for a university and I had the opportunity to conduct interviews with executives across that organisation. This allowed us to understand the executive's perspective, the history of the project, and the vision, which was essential for the success of the strategy, which would be implemented and sustained over time. The key lesson here is that by allowing user researchers to speak with executives, means they can understand all the different perspectives and can frame their findings and insights in a way that is actionable by executives and other key decision makers. Now, I recently met a product owner who was working on a complex product that had many challenging stakeholders. We were chatting about how user research was working their particular team in their product and they were lamenting that the researchers were never producing any insights that they could action. Ruth, it's just findings after findings after findings, they were telling me. So I'll dug a little bit deeper to try to understand what was going on. I quickly discovered that their user researchers were being told there isn't time to do analysis. Can I just sum up the findings from your memory of the, after the sessions? The researchers were often given a few hours to come up with a few key insights to share with the project stakeholders. Now the challenge is that getting meaningful, high quality and direction changing insights is not something that comes in minutes or hours. Actual insights requires a deep thinking and that requires time. And I know that's very challenging in today's world where we're moving at pace. So one of the key focus of user research is to develop that deep thinking other than just a fast or wide thinking. Because in today's world, we have other methods and other ways to do that fast and wide thinking, looking at big data for existence, for instance. So the challenge for us is, you know, how do we make sure we cater for enough time when we need to, to do the actual insights? And as uh, Michelle mentioned earlier, how we then align it to um, the strategic need and direction as well of the product. Now, this is one of the most important ones, in my opinion. Who's being brought in at the very end of a project just to validate the product's usability? I can't count how many times I've heard a client say, we're just bringing you in to make sure that people can use it. Now, a friend of mine worked on an entire program of work just about ticking the box with doing usability testing with 18 participants for product. All the product had to go through this as a stage gate. It was the last thing they had to do before the product went live. In many cases, this is the very first piece of research that had been conducted to understand the user needs these products and services were trying to design for. Now the aim of the usability testing is to collect particular metrics which supposedly resulted in a clear understanding of whether a product would be successful in the market. Now, as you can imagine, this resulted in a culture of it being a box ticking exercise, with project teams having no interest in implementing the feedback that resulted in the research. All they cared about was whether their product passed the minimum metrics and could progress to life. Now, this model resulted in products going live that were not useful nor usable. User researchers need to be brought in from the beginning of a project. 
exploratory research in the early phases of a project helps the organisation to understand user needs and pain points and understand if they're solving the right problems. Research should then continue throughout the project, even past when the product or service is live, as it helps the team to continuously learn and iterate. So our last lesson is about including user researchers in a decision-making process. So who has heard something like this before? You don't need to be in a strategy meeting, just a product manager goes to that. Or in some cases, just a product manager and a service designer goes to that. I was working with a researcher who was doing really interesting research on a really complex piece of, um, um, well, really complex topic. Unfortunately, they just kept getting excluded from any decisions that impacted the product direction. It was really interesting seeing the dynamic in this particular team. There was an expectation that the researcher would just do what they were tasked with, i.e. just go and research what we tell you to research, and that their function was quite transactional. There was very little effort made to value the researcher's work beyond the research team shareback sessions and to use that research strategically. So the research was treated very much as a tactical effort, yet the research was generating very interesting findings and insight that would, could actually potentially impact the overall program of work. So the key takeaway here is don't exclude your user researchers from the decision-making process. And they are there to uphold the voice of the users. They bring different perspectives to the table due to the kind of um, people at the meeting. And then also they help with the strategic direction of the product. So I'm sure, I'm sure um, lots of people have been in this situation as well, where the client says, if you just provide us with a specification document, the developers will build it from there. Now, a friend of mine told me a great story about this had happened to her. She worked in a consultancy and had been brought in to do a discovery and ideation phase on a web redesign project. At the end of these two phases, the client wanted a specification document that they could send to their development team. They were sure to note that this document needed to speak for itself, that there wouldn't be the opportunity to discuss anything with the developers. Well, that's a red flag right there. My friend did the research and design for both phases. The designs that she'd come up with with the team were testing really well. She packaged up the screen designs and all the background research, as well as the proposed interaction patterns in a well-documented specification and sent it to the client. She was excited to see what the end result would be. Now, months later, the client got back in touch with her to let her know that the redesigned site had been launched. She jumped online, and to her horror, the new site looked nothing like what she'd included in the spec, and there were so many usability issues. Now, this was no fault of the developers. It was due to the siloed nature of the project. My friend wasn't able to talk with the developers when she was designing, and they weren't able to talk with her while they were developing. This resulted in a design that most likely couldn't be built on the platform the developers were using, and a new website that disregarded all the research and design that had been done today. So, to sum up these four lessons, firstly, research is a craft. Support your user researchers to do what they do best and don't undermine their craft. We need to value the research process. Look to your researchers for guidance um, and respect the process that they propose. We need to embed user research throughout from the beginning to the end. Otherwise, you're at risk of solving the wrong problems or creating a product that no one really needs. 
And finally, include researchers in the decision-making process. They'll uphold the voice of the user, bring different perspectives to the table, and can help with the strategic direction of a product. Now, we hope that these four lessons are useful for you to take back into your workplaces and will result in you having happier user researchers in your organization. Thank you so much for your time today. We'd love to continue the conversation and hear which of these you've come across to. And if we have time, um, we'd love to take any questions. Thanks, Michelle. Thanks, Ruth. We, we, we do not have time because we've, we've been uh, drifting a couple of minutes um, late. However, um, Stan has asked, can you explain your thought process and how you make decisions in choosing what kind of research to conduct for different projects? Thought process. That's no, I think so that's directed at you, yes. Yes, okay. So you want, have you got time to answer that now, Steve? Go for it, yes, yes, okay. go for it, yep. That's a great question. Um, so, Michelle, feel the jump in, but kind of things we look at is um, what, what kind of stage are you in the, pro in the particular projects? What kind of work has been done before? Because we don't want to go out and redo work that's been done before. There's a lot of knowledge that's out there. Um, we also look at the kind of strategic objectives as well in alignment um, because you know, we want to make sure that the work we're doing is always adding value. So I tend to think of research as kind of two levels. We've got that kind of strategic research that happens at the programmatic level and then research that's very tactical which happens for you know, at the product level where you might be looking at the usability or something or a series of screens or a few concept flows. Michelle? Yeah, and I think from there, just, just understanding what the research questions are and also importantly, the time frame, the amount of time that we have to go through the entire research process because then we can start to um, understand which methods are actually going to be able to be used um, and will get us the best results. And the final thing, just to keep in mind ethics as well. We're very passionate about ethical research and making yeah. sure we're upholding the ethics of whatever we do. That's wonderful. Thanks, Ruth. Thanks, Michelle. That was delightful. Thanks, everyone. Thank you so much, Steve. Thank you.